And welcome back to the Fantasy Front Office Podcast for the week of December 10th, 2018. It is Winter Meetings Week. Rumors are already flying around, have been all day, and nothing really to report on yet. But we've got a ton of signings and trades that happened last week. So we will dive into that in just a moment. And now, entering your ears, your Fantasy Front Office. I am Jeremy, and in the front office with me this week is Phil. Todd got called away on a winter meeting emergency for us, and will be reporting back. I had hoped that he would be here for this segment, but uh, the heartbreak will have to be saved for our new sister podcast, The Swingman Podcast, that Todd himself is running. All right, well, the biggest news of the 2019 season is Paul Goldschmidt has been traded from our Arizona Diamond backs to Phil's St. Louis Cardinals. Ah, have you been able to sleep, Phil? So I'm really excited. Um, not going to show my overjoyedness. Uh, I'm going to let you vent any frustration you need to. <laughs> you can just consider me like um, your therapist or whatever for fantasy or for real baseball because I understand that it kind of hit home. And, and you just tell me whatever you feel, Jer, because I know that this cannot be something uh, that you're going to take lightly. Um, I know we've seen or I've seen uh, videos of some people that have gone on um, <laughs> pretty epic rants. Uh, so so I just uh, wanted you to be able to let it all out and and let me know how you're feeling. Uh, well, honestly, we all knew this day was coming like it, it was inevitable it was either you trade him now and get something for him because we're definitely in kind of a reloading, revamping, and apparently Hazen said not rebuilding mode, but uh, you either did it now or you let him walk and you're not going to get much for him at a trade deadline when pe- te- teams are only going to have him for a couple months at max. <sighs> I've honestly been bracing for this for at least this whole season. And yeah, when they weren't able to work out a trade an extension with him in the spring, because apparently that's how they run things are. They talk to players in the spring, try to work out an extension. If it doesn't pan out, they wait until the next spring to work on it. Yeah. That's what, that's what a lot of teams actually do nowadays, but it's just kind of weird, um, the situation, obviously, going from your guys' team to our team, so or to my team. So, um, But, I mean, I, I feel like all, all things considered, you guys got a, a decent package. I know originally a lot of people were pretty mad at what happened because of the names. <sighs> right. Uh, but you have to look at how, how long they're controllable for. Um, so Weaver, I think, has either four or five years left. I, I um, believe it's five with him. Kelly has six. Six, yeah. And then and then Young hasn't even scratched the major leagues. So, um, and then on top of that, you guys got the compensation pick as well, which is not as good of a compensation pick as you would have gotten if you would have let him walk. But long story short, you still got you know an additional guy that you guys get to pick and groom. Um, Correct for your in this your draft. Kind of, Exactly. So, I mean, it's all things considered, I think it's a big deal to get uh, that for a player's for, you know, only one year contract left on his uh, on his deal. So 
Um, you know, the, the Cardinals are kind of taking a gamble, which they like to do, uh, that, you know, they bring a guy in towards the end of his career or the end of his contract, um, sell him on, you know, the fans and the culture and yada, yada, yada. I'm doing my air quotes over here. Um, and, and, and then try to sign him at a discount, uh, or, you know, even at market value, uh, but without, without him going to actually free agency to test it. Um, that's what the Cardinals really like to do. I don't know if that's going to work out. Um, I really, really hope they pair this with another big signing, Bryce Harper. <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> it, it, it would it, it's really awesome for a lot of reasons for the Cardinals. Um, mainly, obviously, you know, it's bad. But the Cardinals' defense is shored up completely uh, by this deal be, or by this move because they had Jose Martinez over there, and I like him a lot as a hitter. But man, oh man, they would throw the ball right to his chest and he would miss it. And, and any ball that was in the dirt, just forget about. Um, so, I mean, th- he is one of the elite defenders over in first base as well. So that's something to keep an eye on um, for Cardinals pitching even kind of get a bump of value just from that. Now, I'm, I'm honestly surprised they didn't try to work him into the deal to just rid him of of that glove. I mean, he's got a decent bat, as we saw last year. But yeah, I mean, I know he's available. I, I know that he's talk, they're, they're in talks with teams about him. So maybe it's the D-backs just didn't want him uh, as part of the deal. Um, he also has a little bit less um, uh, time left on his uh, service because uh, he was up with, uh, I think, wasn't he up with the uh, uh, Royals a couple of years ago? Um, if not, maybe I'm just thinking of him being in the minors, uh, with them, but, um, moral of the story is, is that I, I think that he is going to be traded to somewhere. Uh, I think it's going to have to be an AL team though, uh, unless we get to DH in the NL sometime soon. Right. His, no, he's only been up with St. Louis. Okay. So he, he's got like six years left on his, uh, service time then. Right. 2017 was the first year. That's when he was rookie eligible. And then 2018. I mean, he is 30 years old. So, I mean, he's the same. He's just about a year younger than Goldschmidt. Yeah. So, yes, it was more of a quantity over quality move for the D-backs. But even there, decent. Like, Weaver's an arm that's going to get us by. He's going to be a mainstay in the rotation as long as he can prove himself. At, he's got at, two upside. He's got starting pitcher two upside. True. Um, he's, his floor is probably four or five, but his upside is, I mean, what he did in 2017 was really good. Um, last year, he kind of threw a lot of meatballs and he got hit because of it. So if he can keep it out of the middle of the zone, pound, pound the corners a little bit better, I think, you know, he, he's got some decent upside for you guys. And the the big steal I'm seeing is Carson Kelly, like formerly your up and coming catcher stud was going to take over for Yachty. And then yep. Yachty has miraculously stayed around in his late 30s. Right. Catcher. They, yeah, they, they have two more deals or two more years on the Yachty deal at uh, 20 million a year. So um, Carson Kelly wasn't sniffing playing time anytime soon. Well, and then you've got. Uh, Nisner or Knizner that's pretty much taken over that number two slot, the up-and-comer in your system. So Kelly was MLB ready. He just needed playing time. And this is the window. And he's a hell of a defensive catcher that is uh, working on his hitting that is going to get a little bit better hitting 
Um, but he is a hell of a defensive catcher. Now the interesting, which, which I hear you guys have had problems with <laughs> the last couple well, of years. Hitting, yeah. I mean, I mean, Jeff Mathis is the epitome of the stud catcher for the D backs the last few years. Uh, other than Ionetta Kelly, I heard this tidbit that he was like a shortstop in your guys' system and is a converted catcher. So he's only had a couple years, two, three years worth of wear and tear on his knees. Yeah, that's a big thing, too. It is. I it's was almost like uh, looking at that is almost like looking at how many pitches or how many innings pitched uh, a young pitcher has thrown already before right. he comes up. So. I'm hoping it at least pays off in the short term and maybe we'll free up some money and be able to re-sign Goldschmidt. I mean, win-win, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and the big news today that broke was Billy Hamilton is now a Kansas City Royal. He's going to be filling the outfield there at Kauffman Stadium. And, well, between Mondesi, Hamilton, and Witt... Are they going to shoot for 200 stolen bases in a year? I think 200 is going to be a stretch. I think 150 is a real realistic number, though, um, which is insane to think about. Uh, <laughs> I mean, teams just don't steal that much anymore. Uh, but if they could combine for 150 stolen bases, every single one of them will outproduce their draft value. True. Now, now the flip side of that is, do you risk uh, having them on your squad? Do the stolen bases outpace the the hit you're going to take in average and on base percentage? Um, Wit was actually fairly decent in both those categories last year. He wasn't like negative. Um, Mondesi was, actually, was a surprise. Yeah, and and Mondesi, I, I don't know. He's he's kind of one of those wild card guys. Uh, Reminds me of the Jonathan VR season where he just was insane, but this was only for a small sample size. And then the next year, Jonathan VR came back and did nothing. So um, reminds me of that potential situation. But uh, the, the thing about Billy Hamilton, honestly, the one the one thing I wanted to point out, and I, and I tweeted about this earlier today, Billy Hamilton will go later in a draft this year than he's ever gone, and he will probably give the best value of his career. Because of where this was the absolute best landing spot for him. Very true. Now it's for for me. uh, Sorry, uh, but for me, he's he's just one of those guys that I think I'll have on a lot of teams this year, um, just because of where he's going. So I'm looking at him and uh, DeShields as both having high value for stolen bases Mm -hmm. late in drafts, like 150 plus. Yeah. On ADP. Now, is it possible that we're looking at the top three stolen base artists in the American League all being from Kansas City? You might even be able to send the major leagues. Um, I I was going to stretch it, but yeah. I mean, they obviously, especially towards the second half of the year, they just let people run like rabbits and it worked. Um as far as, you know, what what they were doing. So, I mean, they were successful with their stolen bases. Uh, their team kind of sucks, but it's fun and exciting to watch. And maybe that's what gets the fan base a little bit excited about the team. You know, you have guys that are pushing 150 stolen bases with between the three of them. If you get that to happen, even if you have a team that's losing, I mean, that's exciting baseball to watch. You just never know when, when you're going to see something like that. I would agree with that. Now, looking at this, another name I want to bring up for stolen base potential is... You, you did mention Jonathan VR. Yeah, when he got playing time in, in Baltimore, he absolutely uh, thrived. 
He got 35 stolen bases last year, 14 in the first half, 21 in the second half. Yeah, and I think it was just playing time. Yeah. He, he wasn't playing for the Brewers when they traded him. Uh, he got, you know, a wide open spot and he, he uses opportunity. I think he's another guy that's going to go late in drafts. Um, I see him actually going, you know, closer to pick 100 than, than what we were just talking about. Um, but because of the year a couple of years back where he had the 60 stolen bases and I think it was like 15 home runs or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if, if he does anything close to, to those numbers combined again, um, even, you know, around pick a hundred, you're, you're pretty, pretty positive in the value side. All right. Patrick Corbin is now headed to Washington six year, $140 million contract. Does this add or decrease his value in 2019? So the cryptic answer is yes. Um, <laughs> cause I was looking into this and so obviously the park itself, uh, is a much easier park to pitch in. It's kind of neutral, uh, in, in nationals ballpark. Um, Versus out there, but the problem is, is that the Nationals have a really bad defensive infield, and Diamondbacks had a really good defensive infield. So I mean, you're kind of pushing it both ways. Uh, so I, I think you could see kind of a push almost to where you kind of just stays the same. Um, but for kind of different factors all playing in together at the same time. Here is an interesting tidbit on the NL East. The whole division has a losing record against left-handed pitchers. Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. Uh, everyone but the Phillies had a negative record against left-handed pitchers. Pitchers were 21 and 16 uh, lefties against the Phillies. Everybody else was at least five games under 500. So I, I can see it as a plus for him as a weaker division against left-handed pitchers. I mean, just think about Gio Gonzalez has had some surprisingly good years there when he was more or less over the hump. Yeah. And Corbin's just in his prime now with this uh, this role that he's been on. So can we talk about that for, for just a second? Because <laughs> I just have to point out that I was looking at Patrick Corbin's numbers today, and I was thoroughly unimpressed with everything I've seen until this year as far as just what he's done. And then he goes out and gets a massive contract, and it, it just is very scary to me, especially for a guy that's had the injuries uh, that he's had and, and different things go on. Um, but, like, his entire career he's been – I mean, he's been okay, but not like great. Like even before this year, put it that way, um, he had never had a strikeout per nine above 8.4. His strikeout to walk ratio, except in the, this, you know, shortest season ever, he didn't have any that were like below 3.5. And then he comes out and puts up five strikeout to walk ratio and 11.1 strikeouts per nine. And I'm just thinking that maybe you just cashed in on like his best year ever and that he's going to be kind of like what Gio did and just he'll exist and he'll have some good years here and there. But I just don't think that he's going to be like uber elite. There is that potential. Um, He's mainly been a two pitch pitcher until what was it? July of 2017 when he started tinkering. Okay, is that what it was then that that made his strikeouts jump up last year? Because 
if, if that's the case, then he might be able to sustain this. But before that, I just don't see anything that would warrant $160 million to me. But yeah, I'm not I'm not an MLB GM. Since July 1st, 2017, uh, I know it was around there that he began tinkering with the second breaking ball. Uh, 299 innings pitched, a 322 ERA. Uh, let's see. 346 strikeouts, giving up hits at only a 229 average, uh, 28% K percentage, 21.6 K minus walk percentage, stranding runners at a 76% rate, a FIP of 2.88, XFIP of 297, uh, K per nine of 10.4. And the back half of that first year in 2017 wasn't wasn't great because he was still tinkering with that pitch and getting the mix right uh, getting the separation in velo between the, the three pitches but once spring training hit this year he kind of took off and it's really been the first year he's been fully healthy which doesn't explain at all that whole three four month dip in velocity and built back up still don't understand that and I don't think anybody's ever going to understand it. Um, but going from 94 to 89 to 92, I mean, the That's Nationals... Yeah, the Nationals are definitely used to pitchers that get hurt. I mean, they got Strasburg. <laughs> I mean, they're definitely not the Dodgers, but they've... <laughs> They've paid their due in money uh, for good pitching. I mean, I mean, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin is definitely going to make some teams weak in the knees. Yeah, it's a hell of a one, two, three. Yeah, it only cost them about five hundred and twenty-five million, but <laughs> that's where they're at. <laughs> uh, while while we're on that topic, what about yep, the Nathan exactly. <laughs> Nathan Evaldi deal? I almost brought him up while we were talking about it. Um, that's kind of the same thing. I mean, I just don't understand it. He's he had two good months, <laughs> and he cashed in sixty-seven million, yeah, uh, sixty-eight I mean, million. T- two good months, though. Like honestly, like that's where he really was. Um, not bashing the guy has a hell of a fastball. Um, he may be worth every penny of what he just got, but boy, oh boy, if he's getting, you know, $17 million a year or whatever the hell it was, um, you can sure see why Bryce Harper wants 40 Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy to me. But at the same time, I mean, maybe that's why Corbin got, you know, the, the what he got a little bit over $20 million a year. So, I mean, if you look at it that way, Corbin may be a steal. Yeah, yeah, he might be. But, I mean, Evaldi staying in the NL Beast uh, is maybe not necessarily the best place you wanted to see him. Uh, and, and your question down here, can he be healthy? Um, that's that's something only time can tell. But, <laughs> um, man, oh, man, he's he's got elite talent whenever he pitches, but it doesn't seem like he pitches very often. And, and for most of his career, that talent never actually shined through, even when he did, even though he had, like, I think it was for a couple of years the highest fastball velocity for any starting pitcher. Um, it was like ninety nine point something was his average. Uh, so if he can keep that up, I mean, sure, good deal. Yeah, his uh, his best year was twenty fifteen with the Yankees when he was fourteen and three uh, with a four two ERA. Uh, while he was with the Red Sox, he went three and three with a three thirty three and was just 
a beast. I mean, of, of any team, yes, you're probably only paying him to be a four or five starter yeah. considering the rest of that rotation. Well, and they could probably throw him in the bullpen if needed, too, because didn't he pitch out of the bullpen a little bit last year? Uh, they're towards the... Uh, I think it was only in the playoffs that he really pitched out of the bullpen because all of the games with the Red Sox, he had 12 games, 11 started. Oh. Realistically, if if he does run into some trouble and can't be a starter anymore, give it two years. The back end of his deal, the last two years, you're still paying $17 million for an elite reliever, which, as you were saying before the pod, was kind of middle of the pack for an elite closer. Yeah, for guys that are actually established closers, we were talking about that before the pod, that you know the free agent deals that they're getting, they're pretty astronomical now as far as annual uh, value. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting to watch and see if he can actually live up to this contract as a starter, which if he can, $17 is almost a steal as well, if he can be a yeah. frontline ace. I agree. There's a stupid amount of money in baseball right now. <laughs> And what, beers are still 10 bucks a pop? No. All right. Well, Jonathan Scope has signed with the Twins. Are we looking at a rebound candidate? I, I mean, he was injured. He had the oblique injury last year in the first half. Second half, he was just kind of not an everyday player, even with Milwaukee. So I don't remember us specifically talking about Jonathan Scope at all. Um, and had we specifically talked about him and me remembered it, or me being able to remember it, uh, I would easily be able to say that he's one guy that for years I have said I don't understand how he has a job. Um, it's basically like the Keith level hate that Keith has for Odor. Um, that's wait. how I feel about Right. That's how I feel about uh, Jonathan Scope. So, like, on on some sort of level of that, um, no, I don't think that he is going to have a rebound. I don't really – His he just – he strikes out too much. He's way too aggressive. He's basically Adam Jones but plays second base. And I didn't want Adam Jones either. So, just because you play second base and have some power, <laughs> I, I will look elsewhere for, for that position. Um so, yeah, no. Well, if he falls deep enough in drafts that I might take a flyer on him, but I, I'm looking elsewhere for second base. Even like a, a Jeff McNeil or somebody right. that's kind of unproven, but there's some potential there for a solid uh, all-around stat line guy. I, exactly. I'd rather take the unknown than the known that I don't like, if that makes sense. Like, if I, if I have seen things that I don't like for consistently for years... Unless I see something that I, you know, start to like, I, I would rather go with something I have no idea about. Right. Sometimes you got to take the wild card flyer on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about catchers quite a bit. Uh, any interest in Robinson Chirinos now that he is the Astros catcher? Uh, you mean their backup catcher because they're still going to trade for JT Remuto. <laughs> uh, um, I know. I was also looking at. Uh, Robinson Chirino stats, and I mean, he is—he's a catcher, right? He's got he's some, really all I got. some pop upside, but that's about it. Eh, I don't even know if I go that well, far. That, <laughs> that may be a stretch, but considering most of the catchers, he's in the upper half. Yeah, I mean, but like I said, <laughs> which isn't saying much. He's a catcher, so that's that's pretty much all I got for Robinson Chirinos. Um, and if you're in a two catcher league, I apologize in advance uh, that you did that to yourself. You should seek help. Oh boy. Uh, in terms of seeking help, 
Garrett Richards is now with San Diego. He's out for 2019 due to Tommy John, but is there potential for 2020? So last year, um, told you guys my uh, story. Your addiction. About, yeah. Uh-huh. I had to uh, quit Garrett Richards, cold turkey, and I've never felt better about my life um, because, you know, he had his, his nice – uh, beginning to the year and everybody was like oh my god he's he's the guy we wanted and I was like oh maybe I need to get a little bit of that itch back and <laughs> give it two and, weeks <laughs> and and then his ligament you know disappeared so um, moral of the story is is that <sighs> don't do drugs kids <laughs> and, and Garrett Richards is a drug and, and it's not going to end up good you're going to end up on the streets and homeless if you do Garrett Richards again okay don't do drugs kids all right. Well, how has your team developed on the FFO 30 mark? I'm loving my life over there. Um, really? So, yeah, I, I really it's been a second since I was tweeting out uh, my picks. So I kind of just bombarded my uh, my timeline a minute ago uh, <laughs> earlier today. Uh, but I mean, I got Kyle Schwarber with pick 156. He's 25 years old in an on base percentage league. I don't know how that happened. Um, let's see, uh, Joey Wendell, another guy that, you know, on base percentage skills, um, easy choice, uh, got him 205. Mikhail Franco, guy's been going, um, previous years, uh, top, top hundred. I've even seen, you know, maybe top 50 at times a couple of years ago, uh, in, in a league such as this, but you know, now he's going 216 overall, still only like 25 years old. Um, still in that ballpark and that lineup that just got better and better this year. I really, really like what's going on there. Well, and there's um, even a chance that if the Phillies do end up signing Machado, they trade Franco to where he starts all the time. I mean, that's true, too. So, I mean, I, I, I just don't have a problem with um, the upside, at least uh, at that spot. Because, like I said, I mean, you're basically. I like to in, in leagues like this. I like to look at dynasty um, as uh, kind of like stocks. Um, so right, if you, playing the if you long see, game. Exactly. So if you see like stock prices that are always high, but for whatever reason, for six months they're low, that's obviously a good time to buy. Um, <laughs> so I mean, you know, they, they, he's been low for a couple of years. I'll give. I'll say that. But I mean, he still has the the power upside and and is like I said if he stays in that ballpark that is going to be something where I don't think it's going to be hard for me to get um, easily that value back out of them. Very true. Your and outfield then, has rounded out since we talked on the last pod. Yes, yes. So my entire outfield at this point. Uh, let me actually pull up fan tracks because I'm looking at just my tweets. Uh, you're looking at David Dahl. You took in the third round at 85th overall. Uh, like your fourth pick. round was the big steal here. Alex Kirillov. Yeah. Yep. 96th overall. Yeah. Some prospects were going top 10. Obviously that was Vlad, but um, man, with with where I got him for what I think he's going to do, uh, that might be one of the picks of the draft. It might and be. Then, and then, like I said, Kyle Schwarber, kind of the same thing. Um, I went, you know, heavy on it early. Uh, I know that that's kind of a no-no in Dynasty. Um, but at the same time, I think I have guys that are 
uh, stable and have upside. So I think that it was a, a good um, good rounding out of what I was starting off with. And then, so the last pick that I just took was uh, Jose De Leon. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing I was just talking about with, um, sorry, with Mikhail Franco is that a couple of years ago, Jose De Leon was like the untouchable prospect in the Dodgers organization. And, and they weren't going to give him up for anything. It didn't matter who, who, you know, who they were targeting. They always said they weren't going to give him up. And then for whatever reason, they traded him in a weird deal. Uh, and, then he weird. Had to- and then he had Tommy John surgery. So it made me think that kind of both teams knew that it, maybe he was diminished value because of the surgery uh, impending. But, you know, w- once he's got the surgery behind him and, and now he's healthy, he's coming into the year, he's looking to start spring training off right. Uh, I think that he can be a guy that has some really sneaky value in a, in a dynasty, you know, type type league. Now, your other starter here was somebody I didn't think was going to slip this far uh, to oh, the my fifth boy. round. Yeah, your boy, Alex Reyes. Yeah, I mean, I got two guys that uh, have potential ace upside um, with Shohei Otani and Alex Reyes. Um, now, again, Otani and, and my entire staff is basically returning from Tommy John surgery at this <laughs> point. But, um, but at the same time, I mean, you got to get him. I would not have gotten Otani where I got him had he not had the Tommy John surgery. Same thing with Reyes and same thing with DeLeon. So um, you have to take a chance on some of these guys if two of the three pan out, then I'm looking like a genius. If, you know, none of them pan out, then maybe I'm an idiot. Um, you still partially look like a genius because of Otani's bat, but correct. Yeah. Um, and then you snagged Kettle Marte for a shortstop in the ninth round, way late at 265. Yeah. I thought that was a good spot for him, especially because of his age and, and him kind of coming out last year with his power. Uh, I think that, you know, if he can have a 15-15 season or maybe a 20-15 season, um, that would be something where, you know, I, I would definitely love to see that at a pick 265 in a dynasty league. Yeah, I actually had him in my queue waiting to see if he would fall to me that round. Uh, once once it flipped to round 10, that's where I was shooting for him. Yeah, so my, my three picks before the, the daily own one were my uh, my infield. So second base, third base, and shortstop. I went back to back to back um, just because I knew that, you know, there's a good chance that if you don't do it now, you're going to get somebody that you <laughs> really, really don't want to roster in a 30-team league. Right. Which um, is probably what my pitching is going to look like for the next couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for me on uh, through the first three rounds, I went DeGrom, Carrasco, Peter Alonzo. Uh, and then things just kind of fell to me and I just kind of went with the flow. Uh, Luis Castillo fell to me in the fourth round at 108. Uh, I needed another bat that was going to provide some power, some stability. And I believe he's only 28. Didi Gregorius uh, at 133. Grabbed another young hitter, 25-year-old Teosco Hernandez out of Toronto at 168. Uh, went back to pitching because there was a run on young uh, relievers and grabbed Jose Leclerc. Yep. At 193. Made sure I had a young arm there. Went back to the middle infield and grabbed Anderleton Simmons. Surprisingly, he's only 29. Seemingly been around way longer than that. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in the eighth. And then the ninth and tenth rounds went back to the outfield to round them out as things were starting to get thin with Domingo Santana. He's out of options. He's either getting traded or he's going to be playing hopefully every day um, at 253. And then at 288, somehow Hunter Renfro fell to me. Hit his average 26 homers the last couple of years, not even playing. He's played about two thirds of a season each year. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty decent on my end. I need to round out the rest of my infield. But beyond that, we'll be aiming for some pitching, some infield utility types. I do have a catcher in mind, but that'll we'll see where that goes. I really like the Gregorius pick. And that's that's going back to what I was talking about earlier about he wouldn't have been there at that spot. Um Unless he had the Tommy John surgery. And so, you know, pick 133 for Didi Gregorius in a dynasty league, um, especially if he can stay in Yankee Stadium, if they actually uh, sign him instead of potentially uh, Manny Machado or something. I really think that that can be a, a really awesome value. Yeah, hoping he sticks around in New York for a few years. And I mean, even if not, hopefully he finds another home that's uh, decent for the bat. Mm-hmm. And, and again, same thing with Santana, um, you know, pick 253. You talked about that, that he's just not last year, but the year before he had an amazing year. Sure, there was some things in his profile that maybe suggested that he wasn't going to have that great of a year again. Right. Um, but, you know, not having any playing time is going to assure the kind of year that he did have last year. And that was because of his options that, that you pointed out are gone now. So, um, you know, he's going to get major league playing time at this point. Um, we're one year farther into the, you know, is Braun dying uh, stage. Um, <laughs> also, <laughs> is Thames going to be around? uh are you going to keep him? Exactly. I don't think Thames is, is what, I mean, we all know he's a great hitter and he can take a lot of pitches and he, you know, works in a bat and has a lot of walks, but I just don't think he's a major league, uh, major league player because you just can't play every day. And that's unfortunate. Maybe if he was a DH, like maybe he could be like Poppy where he can stick around a couple extra right. years because of that. Um, but I just don't think that he needs to play in an, in an, uh, NL park. Yeah, if, if Milwaukee, if you guys are listening, I'm sure Tampa Bay could take him off your hands. They're in need of a DH, somebody that can kind of be a platoon first baseman, clear up some playing time, move Braun full-time to the first base. Yeah, uh, plus Domingo's only 26, and he's a year away from a 30-homer, 15-stolen base season. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see how Todd did. I haven't been looking at his squad very often man his team sucks just (laughs) kidding (laughs) all right he started his draft off with bets oh let's see how was it it was bets then hanniger bets and hanniger one two round three came back with tie on round four grabbed kyle freeland uh Five went to Edwin Carnacion. I think that was a bit early in a dynasty, just saying. A little bit, but the, the majority of first basemen are kind of off the board by that point. Like It was kind of best available at the position type deal. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm reading into his brain a little little too much here. Uh, and then he grabbed the newly contracted Boston Red Sox, Nathan Evaldi in the sixth. Might have been a little high, but maybe he's a mad genius. Did you say Goldie or that Todd was high? <laughs> no, just uh, might have just been a little early, but maybe he's a mad genius. Huh. Okay. There's clarifying. 
Yeah. Since he's not here to defend himself, I wanted to make sure that there was no <laughs> misconception of what was happening. Nah. Nah. No hospital fumes on him. <laughs> uh, the seventh round, he came back and grabbed the free agent Marwin Gonzalez, who's only 29. That was a really... Nice grab there. Eighth round, he came back and got the likely first baseman for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Jake Lamb. In the eighth. In the ninth, he went, I believe, ninth and tenth. Oh, he hasn't had a tenth pick yet. But in the ninth, he went back to pitching and grabbed Alex Wood. Uh, only 27. Wow. But the yeah, off He's been injured. around for a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah, one of those Braves prospects that just kind of came up, had his issues, and bounced around. Yeah, been around since 2013. Anybody else's uh, picks kind of jump out at you there, Phil? Nothing in particular, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's been pretty basic. Oh, wait, yeah, we were talking about uh, my boy, Wander Franco, and he got drafted like two picks before me, and and I went into full-blown rage mode. Um, almost had a mental breakdown and then I realized that it was only a mock and that it's not a real team. So, uh, I brought myself back to reality with a little woosah moment. Uh, and then now we're good. That was your Kirillov pick is who he ended up getting that round. Yeah, I know. I should have went the other guy, but eh, it's such as life. <laughs> All righty. Well, we'll wrap up this week's episode and we'll be back in your ear holes soon. Phil, where can the people find you? I'm Phil and I'm at the Baseball Jedi. Uh, follow Todd at Goldie Happens for the time being. And <laughs> myself, Jeremy, at Front Office Chair. Follow the pod at Fan Front Office. And visit us at our home on the web, fanfrontofficepodcast.com. Enjoy the holidays, folks. 